You short, hollow husk of nothingness. It's June 30th, 2022, and welcome to the S-Rank Media Club. I'm Colton Wallace, joined by my co-host, Quinn Foster. Hey guys, how's it going? And Kudrow. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this week on the show for you, we got, we're going to rank Hollow Knight, and we're going to go in-depth on Stranger Things, the whole series, up through Season 4, Part 1, in preparation for the Season 4, Part 2, releasing tomorrow on Netflix. Um, so, Quinn, how's the week been? It's been pretty good, pretty good. Uh, got to play some Raft, so uh, I think on Monday, or not not Monday, the previous Monday, actually, mm-hmm. they released the final update for Raft. It's a, so it's a co-op um, survival crafting game, sort of, but it takes yeah. place on a moving raft, so you have to basically um, build a raft. And then there's a little bit of a storyline, which is nice, and you, you upgrade. So, you, you know, you start with having to, you know, fish and, and that sure. sort of thing and purify mm-hmm. the seawater. So mm-hmm. um, it's pretty enjoyable. We, we've played it through up to the, to the stopping point. So they did it kind of in chapters. So we had played okay. it all the way as far as we could, but they just released kind of a, the final chapter. So that's kind of we, we, we're going to restart, restart the um, – essentially the whole game and, and create a new save and go through that entire thing. So. And how is progress gated in that? If you're continuously moving along a river, is it just like procedurally generated and you kind of level up as you complete objectives or what's the, um, um so it's, I believe it's by time played. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way it works is there's major islands and there's like minor islands. So the, mm-hmm. there's these minor islands, which are kind of small and you can get wood food um, flowers, and then you can dive underwater and get like scrap metal and metal ingot and or metal ore, I should say, um, seaweed. Um, so you you pass through, and then simultaneously, as you're going through these these islands, you you pick up trash out of the water. So you pick up plastic, wood, and palm leaves, mm. and those are kind of the base um, materials that you use throughout the game that help you you know update and upgrade your gear. Um, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So I guess to answer your question, there's there's these major islands, and then that's when you know you kind of hit a checkpoint in the game. So that'll update kind of the game. And then there's also specific things that you need to craft in mm-hmm. order to um, go further in the game. So once you craft those, I believe, you know, the game realizes, oh, we should, you know, make them go towards towards this place or, you know, towards right, this place. Right. Um, okay. Because you really you're floating with the water current, essentially. Um, you can build a sail, but you don't necessarily need one, I don't think. You could just mm-hmm. float the entire time. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty fun. Would recommend it. I think it's up to eight people. I gotcha. Um, we were running into, I think we had six people going at once. And oh, wow. Our, ra- our, our raft <laughs> was a little, a little small for six people. So I'd okay. definitely recommend um, updating your raft if you're having that many people obviously the more people you have the more resources you can gather but it sounds fun to play with eight people (laughs) yeah no it's fun um good time so i definitely recommend it especially with the new update they added um essentially they call it another chapter so it's the final chapter and they added a few other cosmetic things and stuff like that too so would definitely recommend it (laughs) um in terms of video games that's really the only like unique thing i've played besides i played a little rocket league in valorant as usual yeah um, so, um, kind of to go ahead to this weekend, 
Um, we're looking at going to this kind of VR virtual reality experience okay. place. Um, yeah. So I guess what it looks like to me is they have these different games and you put like a backpack on, you put a headset mm-hmm. on, and then you get a gun. And then you essentially play a VR game, which I'm okay. thinking is going to be really cool. So, so I guess I'll report hmm. back after that. Is it like a VR game in an open space kind of deal? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you, I feel you like that's around. the cool, like that's where the coolest VR idea is. And I, I think mm-hmm. they've had that for a longer time because essentially it, it's almost, it's like VR, but essentially you're using a real space. Right. So right. God, that'd be the coolest thing ever. Like I, you know, like it's Okay. Take a step with me here. It's Fantasy Star Online, and you're just in a big room that's like, I don't know, 30 feet wide by 200 feet long, <laughs> and you go through encounters, you know, where you go down to the one side, and then you do an encounter coming back the other way. Wow, that's my dream. Be cool. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it looks like it takes place in like a room, like you said, and then yeah. I know the typical VR, you usually use like the Joy-Cons to move, but in this case, okay. if you, you know, you walk forward and, you know, whatever sensors pick it up and and um, move you in game so gotcha yeah you have to tell us about that next week <laughs> yeah I'd love yeah they have quite a few different games <laughs> so yeah we just moved to the dallas area so we're we're finding all the different different things to do in dallas and and that seems to be one of the, the cooler ones so we'll we'll let you know if we do it um yeah i want to so we'll see awesome um that's kind of it again for video games i did watch the first episode of demon slayer it just came up on my netflix i'm like oh it's you know give it a give it a watch so first impressions i thought it was you know pretty good definitely want to watch more and, and see what it's kind of about um i believe there's only one i don't even know if there's seasons it just seems like there is one chunk of, of episodes i don't know what if, okay, you're familiar, so if you guys are familiar with it what's yeah, like seen all of it. what's the setting what is kind of the setting of the first episode what is it? he's fighting demons with a sword um, so you first encounter the kind of this family, and, and then there's the oldest um, male or guy that okay. he has to go into town to deliver charcoal because I guess they they live up on a mountain. I, I what I assume is in Japan or you know, okay. So it's like an, it's somewhere. an older period then. It's not like a current day kind of deal. Yeah, so. they they did have power lines running through the, the village, but it was it was pretty you know old in my opinion. So okay. There are some okay. subtle hints in the series that basically that tells me it would take place in the Meiji era, which is okay. right around the time when, um, in Japanese history, that like Western things were starting to get incorporated into the culture. Te- uh, technology was starting to advance. Sword bands were is that, in place. Is that like 1950? Like no, no. Meiji, I think, was. Oh, I. I don't want to say a date and be wrong. So oh, that's maybe, fine. All right. Well. Let, let me let me look that up. At the very yeah, least, yeah. it was kind of like you're kind of looking at like post samurai. Oh, okay. So like way earlier. Okay, I gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, but anyway, he go, he goes into the town, and then he it's it's the winter, I believe, and so it's or the start of winter, I guess, is what they hint at. And he mm-hmm. he's leaving town to go home, kind of at late at night. And this guy is basically like, you shouldn't go home because there's demons, you know, human eating demons. And he's like, okay, I'll stay with you. And then turns out he goes back first light to his house and the demons kill his whole family. Demons kill his family. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> right. So um, I don't want to say much more, but, you know, the story yeah. is, it seems really good right now. And, I mean, that gives uh, me an idea of what it kind of is. Yeah. So it's kind of like a an arc 
character arc of he's got to, you know, defeat the demons and sure. and help his family essentially. So yeah. that's kind of what it seems like to me. And it, it definitely going to watch more. So right. um, can't give it a rating right now, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll watch more. So, um, and then last thing I was just scrolling through HBO max, I think. And I came upon rush hour mm-hmm. 2001, I believe. And okay. Yeah. Just an enjoyable movie to watch. Had you um, ever seen it before? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah so I don't. There's some questionable lines in it, like where yeah. uh, Jackie Chan <laughs> says the N word, but <laughs> but it's still hilarious. So I don't. I don't remember liking it back when it came out, but I don't know. You couldn't make it today. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Fun fact about that movie, actually, um, I had a I took a public speaking course in uh, college, and I actually used a scene from that movie from uh, to discuss how to, in some ways to discuss the barriers of communication that were taking place in the scene. <laughs> it was a scene where uh, uh, Jackie Chan's character um, was getting off the plane and first mm-hmm. meeting Carter. Okay. And just kind of like talking about the dialogues. I remember one of the more offensive statements like, Mr. Rice Roni. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's lots, a- of, lots of things like those in the movie. So be prepared yeah. if you watch it. But Gotcha. Kudra, how was your week? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I'm playing a lot of Smash Ultimate this week. Really? Um, yeah. I had, a, well, I got a buddy of mine. Uh, he just, uh, he had surgery last week. So he's kind of been sitting at home. Mm hmm. And uh, so I, I kind of his wife and his uh, brother, uh, they, they work a lot, so they're not really able to check in on them as much in like the morning and such. So I got gotcha. you. I've kind of been hanging out with them like early afternoon and such. So mm-hmm. that's kind of just what we do. We just play Smash for a few hours at a time. I think like on Monday, I think I spent like six hours just playing Smash with them. Who's your mains at this point? Uh, I mean, my main, my main and my best character is still Toon Link. Okay. Uh, but I, I play a variety of characters. Um, yeah. I, I'm not too bad with Zelda. Um, my Joker's gotten better. Uh, that's not, that, that's not a Smash character. He is as of, uh, the, he was the first DLC. Yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't played it since then, so it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't count. count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, like probably with the exception of Zelda, if they have a sword, I've probably played them. Okay, I'm, I'm that guy. Wow. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, let me see here. I mean, other than rewatching Stranger Things, I went out yesterday. Went out yesterday. Uh, no, it wasn't yesterday. It was uh, it was Tuesday. I caught a, a movie with a buddy of mine uh, about the uh, from. Uh, from the Fruits Basket anime, uh, Fruits Basket Prelude. What is that? What is Fruits Basket? I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. Okay, so I, I the other alternative name I have for Fruits Basket is everyone is a terrible parent, but uh, because that's so basically what it's about is um, it's about this incredibly dysfunctional family called the called the Somas, and they're uh, and this family is cursed. Effectively, okay. what the curse is, is that they're all possessed by these creatures. Like, they, they represent the Chinese zodiacs. So there's, and one of the, like, one of the effects of their curse, which is how our main character, 
of our, at least our main female protagonist, uh, finds mm-hmm. out about it is, is like when they get hugged by a member of the opposite sex, they turn into this, they turn into the animal that they're possessed by. So one of them and, turns into a rat? Uh, yeah, actually the rat <laughs> is uh, one of the main characters. <laughs> oh, sad. Uh, but yeah, so, and it kind of details about like how um, they're, the family dynamics within the Soma, which is incredibly dysfunctional and toxic. Uh, the series also has focus on our other character who's outside the Somas, which is a character by the name of Toru. Uh, and how she's trying to, like, you know, help the Somas, uh, you know, kind of uh-huh. like work through various things. But then we find out that she's not exactly the happy-go-lucky person that she seems either because she's got, she's dealing with a lot of baggage and such. So uh, last week you made me watch an anime with no demons in it and no <laughs> actual fighting. Is is that the same case here? Are you trying to is you bring in another one of those to me? Oh yeah, yeah. this is like a ro- <laughs> this is like romance drama. Oh gosh. So, uh, yeah, yeah, if you're looking for action, don't watch this one. This one's if you're looking for dr- uh, dr- drama, uh, romance, and uh, incredibly dysfunctional families watch this one all right i won't commit to this one then uh, that's i mean it's probably fair <laughs> but i mean for a drama and for a romance i there are far i've seen far worse than this so you were uh, able to see it in theaters though yeah so they did the movie to it and it was supposed to serve as like the prequel uh so effectively uh the story kind of gives you like a kind of a little bit of an overview with uh, uh, with Toru's uh, parents. Like you kind of see a little bit of them and like you hear about their relationship secondhand. You also get a little bit about Toru's mom through flashbacks. But this was the movie that was really going to go over how Toru's mom met the uh, met Toru's father and really focus on their relationship. Yeah. Though I have to also, though inexcusably, the movie spent like the first thirty minutes just recapping the important parts of the anime, and then I got fifth, and then I actually got about fifty minutes of the plot that I bought the ticket for, and then like a five-minute recap of the ending of the anime. <laughs> so, From your description, I'm going to say it's not any good, and you shouldn't watch it. I disagree with that. Well, I mean, we can have our disagreements. I mean the movie. I mean the show and the movie. Like they, they weren't bad. I mean, I probably wouldn't re. I would probably never rewatch the show. But for a for, for a one time watch, I, I don't regret spending my time on it. So it, we'll stay with anime here for uh, my week. Um, last week, Kudro had talked about uh, Comey can't communicate, an anime on Netflix. And I then committed to watching the first three episodes to really get an idea about this anime with no demons and no swords. And what I can say about it is it's not bad. Um, it's it's a, a high school girl who can't speak words in the beginning from what I've seen in the first three episodes. And then there's a high school boy who's not very popular who like starts kind of communicating with her. And, um, you know, there's no demon shown, but I'm thinking when Comey freaks out and like gets all tensed up and shaky that she sees demons when everyone, whenever anyone tries to talk to her, though, these demons are never shown or spoken of, they could be there. We don't know. Uh, but 
other than that, it's a show about talking. Um, you know, there's there's these really original, cool scenes where they have like social combat, and I don't know. Could you can tell me? I don't watch a lot of anime, so I don't know. But to me, the like social combat scenes, and um, they have these scenes where individual characters have these colorfully animated monologues, and they're they're very comedic. And mm-hmm. that's probably the best part of the show. Um, Kudro, is that typical in anime or is that actually kind of original in the show? Because I haven't seen a lot of these non demon animes. I don't, watch a, I don't watch a lot of slice of life stuff. I gotcha. Um, so it's kind of hard for it's kind of hard for me to say, like, because uh, I feel like most of the comedy in the most of the comedy in the anime that you're alluding to is the fact that, like, everyone's trying to get a read on this character or get close to Comey. Right. But then it's like due to her due to Comey's tendency to misread what people are trying to do or just the fact that, you know, she's just so anxious around people. It- Those like little bits in there seem very interesting to me. But then like the overall story, like why is everyone obsessed with Comey? She doesn't speak. How does everyone just like her so much? I'm just supposed to buy into that because I didn't feel like I did. Well, it's literally the it's kind of alluded to. And I don't don't remember if this was within the first three episodes, but basically it's like actually like in the first episode, like the first time Tadano sees her, it's like. Oh my God, this girl's gorgeous. It's just because she's hot then? She's just hot. So everyone in the entire school just thinks she's the coolest person ever. Because that's what it's like played off like. Well, and then the thing is, too, it's like all these misunderstandings. So, like the one scene where like they're meant to like introduce, like, you know, they're at the board trying to introduce themselves. And then Comey, you know, because she can't, you know, she can't get her name out. So she just goes up and writes the board in this like super fashionable manner. Right. Yeah, and it's like so. It's just like mis- it's people just completely misunderstanding her that lead them to think that she's like this really suave, really cool person. When instead she's just too anxious to do anything. Yeah. So it's like this massive cavalcade of misunderstandings. The the like the the moments, monologues, and parts of the interactions can be funny, but I don't know if I'm bought in on the whole like series premise. Um, so. From the first three episodes, I don't think it's a bad show. I think it's okay. Um, if if you like anime and you like slice of life animes, maybe it's good. I don't know that I would watch any more of it, but I can't say it was like I could watch more of it. Like it, I don't think it was bad at all. So I would say from three episodes of Comey Can't Communicate, I'll give it a C. So uh, one one quick question. Yeah, when she can't communicate, she doesn't have sign language or anything. It's literally, she just has no way of. She they like to draw her like shaking, and she'll try and like mutter small things, and a lot of times they get uh, misinterpreted to lead to more hullabaloo. You know. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it's, it's like, very comical. Yeah, it's one of those things where like so like she kind of gradually develops. So like eventually right. she's able to kind of like maybe get like a couple words out to like. Tadano and some other you know, like a, one or two other people that she's really close with but then you also see like in other situations where instead of speaking but like, she's able to like write things down on a notepad and then she communicates that way gotcha yeah hmm. mildly interesting um other than that this week i've been rewatching stranger things which we're going to talk about in a little bit but um i was playing rocket league last night and uh, when i play rocket league i typically only play competitive threes in no other mode and not that yeah, I just have no interest in any other mode. So gotcha. anyways, I was playing, you know, dominating in gold three like I usually do. And um, 
<laughs> after the game, one of my teammates wanted to party up with me. And I don't I don't usually party up because I'll play with my friends sometimes. But I'm like, all right, yeah, we'll party up. We partied up. We played two games. Then he backs out, enters us in a 2v2 tournament. And I don't play 2v2 unless my one of my friends is like, hey, let's play 2v2. I'm like, fine, let's play 2v2. But so I kind of was like, all right, it's five minutes away. I should just quit. I don't want to play a 2v2 tournament. But I'm like, you know what? This guy wants somebody to play a 2v2 tournament with him. I'll play a 2v2 tournament. And then when I'm bad at 2v2, he's going to get mad at me. And, you know, anyways, I waited. We went into the tournament. And he's pre- he was decent. You know, I was decent. We were winning handily. Like, we kept winning, like, 6-2, 5-0. Like, we were, we were rolling over people in this tournament. And... Then we get to the we got to the finals. So we're playing in the finals and all the team we played in the finals was much better than any of the other teams we played up to this point. So, you know, I, I'm still I'm trying, but like it, it was we lost like I think like two to zero the first game, so that it's best of three when you're in the finals. And then we were losing the second game, and I'm like, shit. But the other team was good. Like I don't think either of us like messed up too bad. It was just the other team was better than us. And we, we've been having, like, we've been typing back and forth throughout the tournament. And there's 15 seconds left in the final. It's like three or four to one. We've lost. Game's over. He, he, he messages me and says, fuck you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Guy, we just had a run all the way to the finals. I didn't have time to say that because he left the party right after the game was over. But, but man... I thought we had a good thing going. We got to the finals. Like, like how high do you have to get for somebody not to be like, fuck you at the end? Like, this is, I don't, like, we, we, we got all the way to the finals. And still, after we didn't win the finals, he said, fuck you. And I'm like, I, I thought we had a great experience. And I was like, oh, we lost. Good run. Nope. Fuck you, guy. <laughs> that's the gold mentality. Right. That's, that's your teammate's gold. fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So anyways, that's, that's, you know, classic Rocket League, I guess. Um, you weren't uh, voice chatting with him? No, I oh. I refuse to use the Rocket League built-in voice chat. I, I can't. I'm, I'm too worried of what I'll come across. So yeah, that's I, true. I, leave, I turned off. <laughs> but then I kind of love, like, the voice chat in, like, uh, Warzone, where you get, like, the uh, kill cam, like, three seconds of Mike. That's pretty fun. Right. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Anyways, uh, so uh, we've been playing Hollow Knight for the last uh, three weeks. Um, hopefully some of you out there have been playing along with us. But um, So today we are going to discuss and rank Hollow Knight. Um, Kudro is the one who has by far the most experience with Hollow Knight. Uh, Quinn and I both came into this as new Hollow Knight players. Um, I have dabbled in some Metroidvania before, but not gotten super deep into many of them. Um, but yeah, Kudro, you want to lead us off with a uh, Hollow Knight discussion? Absolutely. So uh, just kind of give uh, our audience a little bit of, uh, you know, what Hollow Knight is. So Hollow Knight is a 2017 Metroidvania, uh, developed by Team Cherry. Uh, the player takes control of, uh, a character that's just usually referred to as the Knight, a figure with no name and an unknown history. Uh, you see in the opening cutscene of uh, the knights descending into a place called Hollow Nest, a subterranean kingdom of bugs that has been destroyed. And, uh, you know, as the knight, you'll fight through uh, the underground halls of Hollow Nest to, you know, and you'll discover the truth of Hollow Nest's decline and the knight's own mysterious past. And, I mean, 
I mean, I, I've, so I've already ranked Hollow Knight, and uh, I, I mean, in episode one, so you guys kind of already know a little bit about and my. Thoughts you gave on. it an S, correct? I did, and I and I actually replayed Hollow Knight uh, for this to talk about. So that, that was my fourth playthrough mm-hmm. of the game at this point. I stand by that ranking. I still stand by it. Uh, but so I mean, yeah, I mean, Colton, uh, how was your experience with Hollow Knight? My experience with Hollow Knight overall was great. So, so far, I have played uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 hours. I think I'm like 75% of the way through the game, maybe. Um, I've unlocked two of the three, like, uh, Dreamers. um, And some of the great things I can say about Hollow Knight is the art and aesthetic of the game is absolutely amazing. And it really helps to carry the game. Um, the controls feel great. Um, mechanics are overall pretty good. The things that bring it down for me are the Metroidvania aspects and like the, the, the backwards platforming and replatforming through huge areas across the map. Cause you're not close enough to the stag station. So you have to go super far across the map. Um, but overall, I think it's a great game. So, you know, that's, it, it bucks the trend of me disliking Metroidvanias. <laughs> um, yeah, Quinn, what are your overall thoughts? I'm kind of in agreement with you. I, I think it's a good game, like quality wise. It's great. The art, like you said, is great. Even the music is, it's very calming and it's just nice to chill out and, you know, mm. play through it. Um, and I think, like you said, the downfall is the vastness of having to traverse so far and wide that mm-hmm. I, I don't know if my brain's just not big enough, but there's just times where I, I don't remember where I am, even though I have a map that shows exactly where I am, that like I can't remember what I've seen and what I haven't seen, even with like the added benefits right. of the pins and stuff like that. So it, yeah. it just becomes a struggle for me. I like the, you know, the movement is nice. The attacking is nice, like all the different, you know, power, spirit power shot, the the cloak, like the dashing is all, you know, really nice. I just don't think it's really my my type of game, but oh, gotcha. I, I think it's a really good game, though, like for who it's probably directed at. Mm-hmm. I can see why, you know, I, I can see why Kudro loves it and ranked it S um, for sure. So it just looks like a Hollow Knight player. Well, I mean, so, okay, so as you guys know, I'm a Souls fan, and the reason why I was drawn to Hollow Knight in the first place is because the game really does wear a lot of its Souls influences on its sleeve, because, you know, you're kind of, in addition to, you know, when you're fighting through, when you're fighting through stuff, I mean, you're given pretty little direction Mm -hmm. within the story, and you're kind of trying to piece things together, whether that be from, like, the limited descriptions of the charms or the limited dialogue that you have, Um, so... And I mean, I really enjoy, I found that I really enjoy that with mm-hmm. games that I play. It's like, you know, if I got to be, got to do some of the investigative work to really understand what's happening. Yeah. But I mean, just to kind of echo what you guys said, I mean, yeah, the art style is fantastic. The music is great. Fun fun thing about the music, uh, last week, it was uh, Monday, I was going to, uh, I was going to grab a pizza. Mm-hmm. And what uh, kind of, wait, hold on. What kind of pizza are you going to get? Uh, Thin crust uh, pepperoni and sausage with extra cheese. Okay, okay, that's uh, good. I like thin crust pizza. I, I've it's become a favorite of mine in recent in recent history. Nice. Uh, but, 
But yeah, so I was actually I actually turned on the radio and they were actually playing Hollow Knight music. No, they weren't. I swear to God. What uh, radio was playing Hollow Knight? Is this like your radio from your phone? No, it was like on the uh, it was on one of the NPR uh, stations where they were oh, okay. The, they do like the classic music. They were doing the show like Game Corner or something. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. There's a, music. Wow. I was, like, I was like, what are the odds of this? That's actually really cool. I didn't yeah. know there was a show that did that. Yeah, and then I hit, and then I was like, well, this is fate. I, I went home, ate my pizza, and then immediately turned on Hollow Knight. So, considering it's classical, like station, or uh, is it orchestrated game music always, or is there any of it that's like chip tunes? I have no idea because that, that was like the, really the first time I've heard that program. I got. You. I, I was just like, I just turned it on, and that was just what the radio was on. I was like, why does this music sound so familiar to me? Yeah, and then it's like, <laughs> and that was the. That was the music from Hollow Knight. And I'm like, there's interesting. No, there's this is not real life. <laughs> wow. I feel like NPR would be the station that would do it, though, because they're always like, hello, this is NPR. Today we're <laughs> going to talk about the recent events. It's just so calming. Oh, uh, yeah. Sweet. So, yeah, I guess we can move through Hollow Knight here uh, kind of uh, systematically. So I, I guess the, the one of the highest points for me is the art of it. Um, just the art of the characters, the art of the bosses, the background art looks great. Um, I, I, I can't get over how cute all the characters you run into are like the hollow Knight himself, the dung, what's the guy's the dung, um, the dung eater, the dung eater. Yeah. Oh, no, no, his... not the dung, not the dung, but I'm thinking of Elden Ring. God dang it. Um, the dung, de- <laughs> the dung defender, dung defender, right? Yeah. yeah I that, love guy. That. I love that guy. He's like calling to you from like eight screens away. And oh my gosh. And then like the giraffe bug that's eating, like this is the best moss that I can find. So I'm here. Um, oh man, all the, all the random characters you run into are amazing. And just the, the kind of whole art aesthetic of the game is awesome. And then uh, everybody just makes fun of your guy for being like a lame, hollow piece of shit. Pretty much like, all these characters you run into, they're like, it's okay. You're just, you're just kind of worthless. I like I the know. caterpillar guys. That you, oh, the that grubs. You save. Yeah. The grubs. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Celebrate. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get all excited. The fact that they celebrate like that just makes it always so satisfying to save to to break that jar and freedom. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess like. Later on, they like start talking you up a little bit, but I feel like so many of the people you run into make fun of you for being like a hollow nothingness. See, I don't really remember that. Like the only person I remember being that rude to the night is Zote. If did you guys did you guys run into Zote? Do, doesn't Hornet like say demeaning things to you? Like, well, doesn't she say you're kind of like a little short, hollow ball of nothing? Well, Hornet's pretty. Well, Hornet's uh, pretty. She's stern. I don't know if I'd call her outright rude, but I feel Hornet, like she's rude in the beginning and nicer later on. I mean, I'd say that's. I'd say that's fair, especially yeah. after you fight her this for the second time. Her uh, relationship with the knight improves dramatically. Right, because you're oh. you're like proving yourself to her, right? Hey, that's yeah. sort of the idea. Kudra, do you know the the caterpillars like? Uh, father character, yeah, because you know what you go back to him. Do you know what his official name is? 
the Grub Father. I the believe. Grub Father. His name is the Grub Father, <laughs> yeah. and I love it. I absolutely oh, love man. it. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, the three phase maggot creatures in um, what is it? The waterways. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah. god, the voice when they like flip the fuck out and charge at you. Amazing. Worth playing just to kind of run into those guys a couple times. Those things are some of the most annoying enemies in the game, though. Especially like the ones that, like the ones in the airborne, because if you don't hit them right away, then they just start buzzing yeah. around you. It's right. so easy to get overwhelmed in that. It area is, but things. but the animation and like voicing and like the three phase of them and how each phase is just fucking wild. I love mm-hmm. it. I, I do love that. Um, the characters, I think, just overall, yeah, are, are very well done because they. They have relationships that I felt like I was a part of, especially like the map, the map dude and his wife. Oh, his yeah, yeah. Sitting up top, like, where the heck is my husband? Like, he just stays right. down on the ground and she's pissed off. And right. Well, he's a beetle that goes underground. So, right. Yeah, he's mapping out <laughs> nest. Um, so, um, never mind. That's right. gone. Coral was another Coral was another NPC that I really appreciated because he's the one, I mean, he's always so friendly when he meets the night and they're kind of just discussing various things about Hollow Nest. And you always find him in like the most tranquil places too. So Coral's like, the tall guy with the mask on his face. Yeah. He's the one with the, wears the mask on his face. Oh uh, yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like the, fir- cause like one of the, uh, was it like the third time you find him, he's just like right before you drop into the city of tears, he's just sitting mm-hmm. on the bench listening yeah. to the rain hit the glass yeah, I like that guy too. I, yeah. I like I like pretty much all of them, honestly. Um, yeah. So controls, um, I feel like the controls are amazing as well. Um, they feel really tight, and I love like the jump feels kind of floaty, and you can kind of alter it as you're moving through the air. And then as you unlock the other abilities, this game allows you a lot of freedom to alter your movements in action. Which mm-hmm. I guess is kind of a difference from Dark Souls because Dark Souls is very much you hit the button, you're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in this game, I feel like there's a lot of opportunity to kind of like adjust yourself mid-action, um, like the the uh, Crystal Heart where you can kind of do a super dash across the screen, um, and like you can literally stop that mid-flight, or you can do it on the side of a wall. And there, it just gives you a lot of freedom, I feel like, with all the abilities. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was kind of fun and cool. Um, but, yeah, did you guys, I mean, control-wise, like, I feel like it feels, the platforming feels really tight and it's good. Yeah, I think I think it's really great controls. I, I did struggle a little bit directionally just to make sure that I was getting my attacks, you know, correct and, mm-hmm. and finding the range of his attack because mm-hmm. just something you have to get used to when you start playing a new game. But um, I think you had mentioned it a couple weeks ago about the attack down how you can essentially like bounce off of all oh yeah things. yeah it took me yeah. a long time to figure that out <laughs> right that, that so was the, go ahead Kudra. i was just saying like, that's the, that's like the one thing the game does a really poor job of yeah i wish it told me that because i spent like 20 or 30 minutes walking around like where the hell do i go because I, I didn't realize i could bounce on those things by down attacking them there's these little like purple things on stems that if you down attack them you bounce and you need that to get over certain ledges yeah and the uh the fungal uh fungal, fungal caves yep yep 
Yeah. So knowing that was a really big benefit because I, yeah. I was kind of just going through the game trying to notice where I could utilize that. And right. it was really helpful. I did struggle with it sometimes because I'm trying to go, you know, I'm trying to go to the left, but also down attack. So I'd miss my attack mm-hmm. sometimes, which would cause me to die, obviously. But mm-hmm. that was my biggest struggle. It was the kind of the directional attacks, but in terms of how they felt and, and the smoothness of them, it was, you know, top tier. So, right. Um, I mean, moving along with controls here, the mechanics of it. So like the whole thing where you have to fight things to heal that I like that mechanic. That's a lot of fun. Um, and then you even then you have the resource management because that same resource you use to heal yeah, is spells. also the resource that you're using for spells. I don't cast a lot of spells. I just save it for healing. I'm scared. See, that was the way I did it on the first playthrough. Yeah. Uh, like I like I don't know what you guys were using for charms in your builds, but like I would just like load up with like quick slash mark of pride. Uh, Which one's mark of pride? Mark of Pride is the one it's you can get it in the Mantis Village after you defeat the Mantis Lord, and it just it like do? it just increases the range of your nail. Oh, wait, what about Long Nail? Uh, long Nail does it too, but so like Long Nail is the two notch version of it that only extends oh. your range a little bit. Then okay. Mark of Pride is a three notch charm that increases uh, it ex- greatly. Gotcha. Yeah, I I um regarding charms, I have found that I have actually like kind of. The charm system's good and where a lot of games, I feel like, will, like, mess up a system like this where they have, like, way too many and a bunch of useless ones. And it's kind of, like, not a big enough effect that you end up using it very much. But I feel like in Hollow Knight, through many different bosses, I would alter around my charms to fit the situation. And I feel like so many games miss the mark on a system like that where they're trying to build a system. Um, Like, uh, another good example would be, like, Code Vein. Like, I felt like it didn't matter what I did. I was just going to dodge and slash. But, like, in this game, I feel like that system actually has a really big effect. And I felt like it helped me in multiple boss fights where I was struggling to equip some different um, charms. And, for example, um, the... What was my favorite? The quick charge charm. I don't remember the name, but this charm allows you to heal faster, essentially. And there were fights where I felt like I couldn't heal quick enough. So it felt like I was never able to heal in the whole fight. Uh, That second fight with Hornet where I needed to heal faster. And once I could heal faster, I was able to uh, kind of carry out everything I wanted to and beat her. Mm -hmm. So I I like the charm system a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree with the charm system because every every time I got a charm, I would definitely look at it and I'd have to make a decision because there wasn't seem it wasn't seeming to be any charms that I didn't think were useful, honestly. Mm-hmm. So it was always a risk reward, you know, well, if I have this one on, then I miss this or, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that, you know, kind of plays into the overall system of the game of, of being able to customize your experience. Right. Yeah. Like how Kudra was saying, you know, I played the first time through with just focusing on healing myself versus, you know, maybe doing more damage or just an example, I guess. So I think that kind of adds another aspect to the game of, of customization where you can really play the game however you want mm-hmm. within those constraints, I guess, which is, you know, another added added benefit to the game that you know, makes it that much better. Yeah. yeah. Because I, because my second playthrough um, and Actually, like every subsequent playthrough, I generally tend to find myself equipping the charms that enhance spells. So, mm-hmm. like, 
the charm, like the build that I was using by Endgame, because um, I was using Shaman Stone, Soul Eater, and Grub Song. And those are like three charms, no matter what I'm doing. I almost always have equipped. Tell, tell us what those three do. So Shaman Stone increases the power of your spells. Soul Eater, like it's Soul Eater is the powered up version of Soul Catcher. So you're mm-hmm. just getting a lot. Oh, yeah, I use that one. Yeah, it's hit. like a four notch one, right? Yeah, it's a four notch mm-hmm. one. And then Grub Song, uh, which you get after you've acquired, after you catch like uh, or 15 like 10 grubs. Oh, 15? 10? Uh, maybe it's 10. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I'm saying, I, don't think I don't think it's as high as 15, but yeah, I think you're but right. Basically, but basically, you're getting soul back every time you get hit. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm almost always using those three. But then, mm-hmm. uh, but then, depending on maybe what else I'm doing, I might like switch. I might like take the last three charm slots and, you know, do some different things with them. I think my last, well, usually it's Spell Twister and Nailmaster's Glory. Uh, Spell Twister uses uh make spells cost less soul no master's glory allows you to charge up mail arts quicker mm-hmm. uh but i might also use mark of pride um i might also swap in like a dream wielder or something like that which lets you uh the dream nail uh you'll hit enemies with it faster and you'll get more soul from it when you do right right um kudra did you ever use the uh at least on on like a constant basis, the the one where you dash and slash at like it's like a super kind of dash slash thing. It's where you hit bumper off a chart, you hit the the right trigger off a chart or one of the triggers off a charge. Wait, you're talking about the uh, na- you're talking about the nail art, right? Da- yeah, uh, yeah. Dash dashing. Oh yeah, I actually use that a lot. Um, that's actually prop. That's easily the nail art I use the most. Yeah. Really, because I I always felt like. I had to like perfectly measure the distance and like get the charge right and then do it. And like, I felt like I would always miss judge the distance and fuck it up. So I kind of stopped doing it. Maybe it's a thing where I need to play more. And then like on second playthrough, I would start utilizing it more. Mm-hmm. See, like, again, like that's kind of my experience. Like first playthrough, like I would just use spam quick slash, but like, uh, one of the, like one of the uses I found for, uh, dashing slash that I just discovered on this playthrough it's actually really useful for the Grim fight. I mm. think you guys found that one. That name doesn't sound familiar. Okay. What fight is that? Uh, so, so there are two fights. Uh, there's Troopmaster Grim, and then there's uh, Nightmare King Grim. And uh, and you, if you follow through the uh, the Grim Troop quest line. Okay. But it sounds like you guys didn't find that. So I don't think I did. It, it's Pat. Uh, you can start that in a hidden uh, in a hidden wall in uh mm-hmm. the howling cliffs i think it's it's really close to where you find uh uh cornifer the map guy oh uh, there's a hidden wall and then you just hit like this pile of uh cinders and then it'll summon the grim troop and then you can kind of start that quest line honestly i think that the quest line overall is probably one of the weaker ones in the game just with like what you have to do for gotcha. it but the boss fights uh which you know against troop master grim and uh nightmare king grim in my opinion, make it worth it because those are two of the better boss fights in the game. In my gotcha. Opinion. Okay. Um. So oh, I guess yeah. kind of. Well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say it's like, but like I found a ton of uses for like dash slash just in that boss fight alone. So interesting. I'll have to try to get better at it. I think I just might not be good at using it. Might be the problem. Yeah, I think the one thing though is like if you look at the 
the how long the slash gets in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's uh, like it like it'll hit a wide range in front of you. So even if you're just like in the ballpark, chances are you'll still hit. Uh, one mm-hmm. thing that I sometimes have a problem with is like uh, and one other piece of advice, like just make sure you're doing dash slash instead of dashing and then using great slash. And the way I would do that is just uh, make sure you're releasing the dash and the attack button at the same time. Yeah, I struggled with that right at the beginning, and I, I still fuck it up sometimes when I try and use it. And then it's like it messes up all my timing once I fuck it up. <laughs> um, all right, so moving on to the story and map exploration, I guess. Um, so I, I like the simple story elements kind of, and I, I like the way all the story works and everything. That's all good. I'm not, I guess if you're a person who really wants an in-depth story told to you, I I don't feel like this necessarily does that. But for me, a lot of times I'd prefer it didn't. I like the way this game kind of has its story. You can go and talk to people and I talked to all the little bugs I run into, but, um, I like that part of it. Um, so after you beat a certain part, after you beat, I think it's the broken vessel, the uh, crossroads I noticed becomes the infected mm-hmm. crossroads. And then um, the that there's another area that becomes infected too. I was walking through. Um, but either way, that's really cool. Like I like that, like, like the changes to the map after you beat a certain thing. Mm-hmm. But then the, the biggest drawback for me with this game is the the backtracking to get to certain things and situations where like, I can't figure out where the hell I need to go. And like the way for me to figure out is just to walk around the map aimlessly. And I don't know, maybe some people like that aspect of it, but I really don't, I don't like having to platform backwards, replatform a bunch of areas multiple times. Cause I'll go and be like, Oh shit, this wasn't the right one. Now I got to platform all the way back the other way because there's no fast travel station, which are the stag stations There are points on the map. You can go to to fast travel. Um, there's none of those. So I just have to traverse a far way across the map. And I don't, I don't really enjoy that part. <laughs> I would sit there and I'd be like, fuck, I got to fast travel all the way across this goddamn map again. And I don't even know if it's the right way to go. So that's probably my biggest drawback is I, really get annoyed with that i don't i don't care to do it um yeah one thing i might say friend and in hollow knight's defense here is yeah. that technically it does have a fast travel function but you kind of have to unlock it oh there's a fast travel function outside of the stag stations yeah so um well how uh, late in the game do you get it then it's actually tied to the dream nail quest so oh okay so it's probably gets i think Oh God, I don't know how exactly how much it is. I'd have to relook at it. The but dream nail right quest where you hit the trees and then yeah, it, it, you got to get the red orbs to get more points. Then you go talk to a lady who gives you unlocks as you get more dream yep. tree points. We'll and then them. you can also fight like the warrior spirits as well as their yeah. three dream bosses in the mm-hmm. game as well. And that'll get you essence that way as well. So, uh, but once you unlock, I think it's around like, uh, it's, I think it's like right around like 1200. You yeah. actually twelve hundred. It, it might be. Uh, it, it might be a little lower than that. I Jesus, <laughs> you got to be mostly through the game at that point. You could. I mean, I feel like you finished the game without getting twelve hundred. Uh, not the bet. You have to get eighteen hundred to unlock the uh, the dream no more ending. But I don't care. What if I don't care what ending I get? 
<laughs> well, that I mean, you don't even have. I mean, you barely have to. Eat, well, you have to collect the dream nail, but I mean, you can beat the game in only a few hours if you're not really right. interested in unlocking. If you're only interested in getting in it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that, but I'm also not saying I'm ex- I'm like striving to get the uh, absolute top because I'm not getting 1800 of those things. So I guess I'm not going to get that ending. Well, the thing <laughs> is, though, it's like because you're not going to get all of the uh, essence just by striking the roots. So, um, oh, yeah, like, I noticed a couple times where I like killed an enemy and got an essence piece. What was that? Was that uh, the? that's just like something that occurs by random chance, I believe. But the big thing that you have to do is you have to fight the Dream Warrior fights. And, oh, uh, okay. and you can encounter those like on the map after you get the Dream Nail. Mm-hmm. I mean, like one of them is literally like right in the resting grounds after you get the Dream Nail. Oh, okay. And there are a few fights like that. But then there's also three Dream Fights as mm-hmm. well. And those would be um, the powered up versions of the Broken Vessel, uh, the False Knight, and, uh, and the Soul Master. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you'll get, and you get a ton of essence from fighting them. Gotcha. But yeah, so it's like that once you get those essence, you unlock an ability called the Dream Gate. And what you can do is you can set a Dream Gate in a location, and then you can warp to that point whenever you want until you, and then I mean, until you set a Dream Gate somewhere else. That's cool, but you have to get 1800 red orbs. No, no, you only have, as I said, you only have to get like, uh, twelve hundred. Oh, it's only like twelve hundred. That's easy. I can, I can try to look up the exact number. That's, actually, but, yeah. more than I have. It's thirty-three percent less. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess this is kind of like a you know in Dark Souls one how you get the uh how, what do they call it in Dark Souls one? It's like a feather. Mm-hmm. You get that, but it's so late in the game. In Dark Souls one, you get a feather really late in the game that lets you travel back to your last bonfire. What's it? Wait, the fe- wait, the feather's Dark Souls two. Okay, what's the thing in Dark Souls one? I can't remember. Uh, God, is there actually a permanent homeward bone er, in Dark Souls? Well, 1? there's a there's a way to travel in Dark Souls one, but you don't get it till nearly the end of the game. And I really wish I would have gotten that sooner in that game, like because you, you get a traveling method, but it feels like it's so far into the game that I get got my traveling method. And I kind of like with this, like if I don't get it till 1200 red orbs, I might as well not have it at all. I, I stand corrected. Dreamgate is 900 essence to unlock. Wow. So half. It's only 900. Gotcha. Only 900. I think I have like 300. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, but yeah, so that makes it nicer. Uh, at least as far as navigating around the map and such, once you unlock gotcha. it. So uh, I guess the last kind of big element of this game is the boss fights. Um, and I've liked most of them. Um, there was one in particular that really irritated me. Um, yeah, any any standouts? I mean, Kudra, you've played a lot of them. Who are your standout bosses? Uh, kind of. I guess it kind of depends on what way they stand out because I could... Uh, if we're talking in terms of difficulty, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the top three hardest fights for me because, like, would be Absolute Radiance, Nightmare King Grin, and the Pure Vessel. Pure now, Vessel? Wait, the Pure... Oh, Infected Vessel is the one I fought. Never mind. Uh, the Broken Vessel? Broken Vessel, yes. Yeah, so Absolute Radiance and the Pure Vessel, um, you're not... Like, those are actually in the uh, Godmaster DLC. Oh, okay. So you'll fight them in God Home as part of the Pantheons, 
those gotcha. those are two very difficult fights and then nightmare king grim is the final boss of the troop master dlc okay it was also a very difficult boss so but as but i mean as far as ones that i find like the most like something like the most fun to fight like i actually do like the broken vessel fight mm -hmm. just because it's almost like a mirror match yeah i mean the broken vessels using so many of the abilities that you are and then i mean it's same with his lost kin variant just mm -hmm. that it's uh you know the dream variants are always a little bit faster and their moves are a little bit stronger yeah i um, i liked most of the bosses um there were some that i felt like there was like too much rng just like like the uh what's it called the brooding malik and it like yep. it, it like covers i felt like it just covered the whole fucking map and it was like okay get out of this and i felt like it was so hard to dodge through that um, yes so the way you typically would dodge that like as soon as you see him do the attack that covers the side of the screen yeah a screen you're generally just gonna jump over the Moloch or jump dash over the Moloch and then get to the other side uh one thing that can also make it easier though is poe going off of the top of the Moloch mm. because that that, that mm. helps you it's kind of tough too then you miss and get hit and then you probably get hit again he's just like mm -hmm. well fuck you and then he throws some more orange spew <laughs> onto you um, yeah, but yeah, that, um, the pale lurker who you don't have to hit too much, but the guy who just like disappears and runs away from you whenever you get too close, fuck that boss did not like, oh, he's annoying. Yeah. He just like, it's like, oh, you're too close to me. I'm just going to run away and drop spikes behind me. The way I actually beat him was if you stand near one of the corners, he'll do a jump thing where he like jumps back to you every five seconds and you can hit him once. But oh. bef before that, I was just like endlessly chasing him. And the only way to hit him, it seemed like was to like do a dash and strike him. But if you messed up at all, you were going to just hit yourself and then take damage. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't I did not enjoy that fight. Um, and the other one I really hated was, uh, Nosk. Um, yep. Yep. so he was cool and I'm like, this is a cool fight, but then, and I, I've been unclear on if this is actually, if it's something that's automatic every time, or if this was just unlucky for me, he must've got below a certain HP and he just infinitely did the ceiling thing where he, he goes on the ceiling and you can't hit him and he just drops the fucking damaging shit all over the map and then he drops down for like a, a, a just a second and you go towards him he jumps back up on the ceiling and does it again and i was like i was doing really good with my dodging and i did this for at least five minutes and he just never came back down and i looked online i'm like what <laughs> how do you beat this guy and i saw multiple posts i saw one say oh that's really unlucky you need to restart your game and then he probably won't do it the next time. I saw another one that said, oh, he does this when he gets below a certain HP. So I, I, I'm not actually clear on if that's something he does as a character or as a boss or if this is some kind of glitch I was running into. Because I, I like I could not figure out what to do because he literally was just on the ceiling dropping damage and I just had to work at dodging it the whole time. And there was pretty much like no opportunity to hit him because he would he would come down and immediately go back up and then just drop more damaging stuff I, are you familiar with that at all kudro yeah um, i know what attack you're talking about and i think he does get he may get a little bit more spammy with it in the second half 
in like his uh the second Dude, half of his five album. minutes i was I, like I th- god damn it <laughs> no I, I hear you because i think i had a similar experience like the first time i fought yeah. nas but now um uh, again like the big thing is like you know being able to you know because he's gonna drop down more or less i think he drops down more or less on top of you or does he just drop down in a random spot I don't remember. Uh, he uh, he drops on where the, on top of the last place he drops damage, but then okay. for me he just immediately would go back up, and I swear I was efficiently dodging for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I I just and I was so mad. I'm like I was it was I was having that. I was like oh yeah I figured this guy out. I'm gonna beat him, and then he just did that, and I'm like what? Ah. Yeah, you you might have just gotten some really <sighs> bad RNG. It but- I don't I. Because, like, I don't remember it, but, I mean, part of it, too, might have all, you might have also had a bad experience because you might have been underpowered for that fight. Like, I, I typically th- well, don't. Well, I think I was underpowered for the fight, and that's why I was so happy that I was winning. And then I felt like he just cheaped me. Like, he's like, well, what if you couldn't hit me at all? <laughs> but, yeah, and- so I, I quit playing for a while after that. I was like, fuck this, and I left, and I played again the next day. Well, the good news is, I mean, he's an optional boss, so... I know, but I was going to win. I was winning, and then he just cheated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, but I guess overall, though, I really like the game. I'm going to keep playing it and finish it. Um, It's almost made me interested in maybe going back to some old um, Metroidvania games, you know, like I, I'm thinking I might try out playing some original Metroid, see if I can bear that. Um, but I, I I really do like Hollow Knight. Like, I don't know if the art and um, aesthetic of it kind of carried me through. So I'm going to keep playing it and I'm going to keep being mad about the Metroidvania aspects where I have to keep platforming back and forth. But I, I really would recommend Hollow Knight as a game to play. Um, I think it's on sale on the Steam Summer Sale for like seven or eight bucks, um, or it's on Game Pass. That's where I'm playing it on Game Pass. Hundred percent would recommend playing this game, even if you don't love Metroidvanias. I think it's still worth a try because I have a lot of problems with Metroidvanias, um, but I'm going to keep playing this one. And I think I would give it, I think an A. I, I really went back and forth with this. Like, I think the Metroidvania aspects that I dislike drag it down to an A. I think it's, I think it's better than like a B plus because I think it's really good. I just think some of those those Metroidvania things bother me. The RNG shit with Nosk really frustrated me. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm at an A with Hollow Knight, and I think it's an amazing game. My is the best Metroidvania I've played. Not that I've played a ton of them. I guess I'll give my quick rating. I yeah. I don't think I've played as nearly as much as uh, you and Kudro have, but uh, yeah. What was what was your overall experience? Though? Overall, uh, I would give it probably a B plus, just because I think it's not really the game for me. I probably will keep playing it, same as you. I just don't get as much enjoyment out of having to platform as much as as it makes you. Right. And I think that's really what it, makes me not want to play it. So I, unfortunately, I liked but. like I liked the platforming challenges like when I did them like one time through. I don't like when I have to tread back through them over again for like what a like or 
I could do a thing where it was like you're trying for a certain time through a platforming thing. But when I'm just mindlessly platforming back through this treacherous area, you know. Um, yeah. So we're both going to keep playing. And as always on this show, we are, you know, uh, a current day ratings show. So, you know, if I play a lot more Hollow Knight and I think it's better or worse, then I will come on and tell you that and change my rating. But yeah. Uh, sorry. Do you have more to say, Quinn? Um, no, I th- just more about the platforming. I think yeah, it's, Oh, the other thing was the enemies because the enemies respawn. So, like you said, I'll be I'll platform oh, yeah. here once and I'll come back and then I'll just get hit from the side. I'm like, what yeah. the hell is that? And it's like, oh right. yeah, the enemies respawn. So, right, yeah. But other yeah. than that, yeah. yeah. Usually, when you rest at a bench, they respawn just like the bot, just like the bonfire mechanic. Yep. No, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't not try the game though. I would definitely give it a try because it, like we had said, the art style, the mechanics all of these really, really good things about the game really make it worth it, I think. And, and um, who knows, you might, you know, might have a good time with it. So definitely give it a try. Yeah. All right. Give Hollow Knight a try. Um, so next we're going to move into our Stranger Things season. Well, I guess we're going to discuss the whole series. Um, and there's going to be a ton of spoilers ahead for the series up through what's released now up through season four, part one. And we're doing this in preparation for season four, part two, which comes out tomorrow on Netflix. Um, So we'll kind of go through this season by season, talk about each one, interesting things from the season. If you have any interesting moments while we're talking about the seasons in the chat, go ahead, tell us the interesting moment. We'll have a discussion about that. Um, So um, I guess we'll start right in with season one. So season one, I'm just going to give a refresher of each season. just to kind of remind you the events that happened. So season one, a gate is open to the upside down at Hawkins laboratory. And later we find out this gate was opened by 11. Uh, a Demogorgon is wandering around causing trouble and killing things. Will gets trapped in the upside down and multiple characters have run-ins with the Demogorgon. Nancy and Jonathan find a gate through a tree. Joyce realizes Will is in some kind of alternate dimension. There's a showdown at the school where Eleven shows her true powers and disposes of all the government soldiers um, that are attacking the group of children. Um, And then at the same time, Joyce and Hopper rescue Will from the upside down. But at the end of the season, we find out Will is still infected in some way. So Stranger Things season one, Um, this was wildly popular when it came out and it was a phenomenon. Uh, so what what kind of interesting things do you guys see in season one now watching season four? What, what do you guys see there? What are your favorite parts of season one? I definitely think it was a good start. Like it gave a good baseline of kind of the upside down, which is like the alternate reality or alternate dimension. Yeah. Um, while not spoiling anything that we see happening in season, the, the next seasons, we'll say. I- I, f- I guess I also, to mention, I feel like season one and season two are kind of like a single package. Yes, yes. So I'd say season one's like part one, and then season two is like part two, and then because mm-hmm. they're almost kind of the same. Right. Story. Season two is a continuation of the story. Right. It's like one, a yeah. piggyback. So, mm-hmm. see, that's kind of um, funny because I almost feel like you could watch season one in isolation, and then it's like two and three that are kind of packaged together. Uh, well, if, okay. If you cut out the scene at the end where you see Will is still infected, I think season one. What, but I don't know. I feel like season uh, I, one leaves a lot open. 
I mean, other than kind of like the infection, like, cause you know, he's got that flashback scene where he's still on the upside down and then like, you know, he yeah. throws up, uh, the slug thing, the little, uh, Artanian. Artanian. Is that what it's called? Well, no. Well, obviously it's like one of the demodogs. Oh, dart. Like oh, dart. Oh, dart. Right. I'm you with know, you. Dart. Gotcha. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I guess kind of on the rewatch, one of the biggest things that surprised me initially was you see the Demogorgon in episode two, like you see its head in episode two, and I did mm-hmm. not remember seeing it so early in the show. And then like episode three, you get to see the Demogorgon through the wall like you. you, I didn't I did not remember seeing like the Demogorgon that early in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was on rewatch. I was like, oh, I think it just like went over my head the first time because I wasn't like familiar with the rest of it. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite part of one of my favorite things about season one as a whole is Mm -hmm. like because everything's still so new. You don't really know or understand anything about the upside down. So like you're kind of indulging in the mystery aspect of it and watching all these other characters trying to figure out and get and like, you know, really understand that kind of undergoing through their own separate character arcs. Mm -hmm. I I think that's probably my favorite part of it by far. Because, like, every season afterwards is like, okay, we already know what's the upside down, but what's the upside down doing now? See, I feel like on rewatch, though, I feel like season three really had a lot of mystery in it when it was building up. Like, I remember the, like, my thoughts, like, looking back on it, I didn't think that. But on rewatch, like, I'm watching season three, I'm like, I was completely wrong about this. Like, it totally has, like, a, a mystery line kind of building up. I, especially with season four, watching season four, part one, and then watching three again, like I really feel like a lot of that stuff has more gravity to it in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I guess another note is uh, Will speaks through the lights in episode three of season one. So mm-hmm. like it, it, I, a lot of the stuff you see in the show, they really carry it through very well. Um you know, like like remembering the Demogorgon as early as episode two, and then also the whole speaking through the light thing as early as season as episode three of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really had a lot of it kind of planned out very well. And then, did you know that I Eleven sees a Russian speaking like soldier when she's in the the uh, the tank, the water tank? Yeah, didn't Brenner like tell her to spy on him? Right, which totally had no meaning i mean until i seen season three to me anyways i i didn't like zone in on that but when i was re-watching i'm like holy shit (laughs) look at that yeah Yeah, they did a very good job of that Mm -hmm. kind of foreshadowing what's to come yeah yeah but i mean overall i i really thought season one was great i thought season one was great at the time though it was season two and three that I wasn't as sure on until I rewatched and I realized I was completely wrong. Yeah, I think season one did a very good job of kind of closing everything out within the episode, but then also, you know, leaving you wanting more and, and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for, you know, all the different seasons. And so I think that's kind of a hallmark of a, a very successful show, right? You can still keep people wanting mm-hmm. to come back and continue the overarching arching story, not just the season story. Right. So yeah, definitely right. really, really well done. Uh, any other interesting notes on season one? 
Yeah, I mean, other than maybe just like some questions, because I still wonder how on earth Will survived in the upside down <laughs> without right. food or water and dodging this demo, trying to avoid the demogorgon this entire time. That's well, like one, like the one thing that just really made me go, wait a minute. <laughs> but okay, so when Will was in the upside down, when they got him out, didn't he? He had like a a, a demon, a, a tentacle thing attached to him, right? Yeah, so like he definitely got caught uh, towards the end. But, but so still... do we know when he got caught? Could we say the tentacle creature was feeding him? Well, it's, he was definitely caught pretty late, I think, though. I couldn't... God, well, so that's because I remember one of the episodes, I think it ended with a cliffhanger, right? Where Will was sitting in the fort fires in the in the upside down and mm-hmm. then the demogorgon found him because you just see the walls around that collapse yeah is there water in the upside down i mean i guess they go through a lake in season four and then it's just dried out ground yeah see because it's never never really shows water uh, that i yeah. that i think well did vecna's realm have water in it i don't I, know i don't think so is it vecna's realm or is it the mind flayer's realm Let's see. Well, that's a question that well, I'm yeah. the next we'll two get, episodes we'll of get to uh, that. season four will answer. <laughs> We're too early for that one. Um, yeah. I was I was gonna say before we move move on, could have yeah. been a parasitical relationship where Will was essentially being kept alive by some sort of uh, whether it's the mind flare or yeah Vecna or whatever. Well, yeah, I think Kudra's point is though, like without food and water, how did he survive for that long? But I uh, I don't know. Uh, and open kind of, question. It's just like the one thing that I, I was just kind of thinking about over the sense this the season takes place over about a week. Yeah. And he's over there that entire time. It's like, but but, but yeah. I Other feel like that, I kind of feel like season one is kind of like it's it's great, but it's it's more like clean and cut with like this the stories. Cause then when you get into season two, I feel like you get a lot more complications with like the ideas happening and the events happening there's more simultaneous things going on um so i guess we can we can go into season two here so season two will sees visions of the mind flayer and then he gets infected by the mind flayer um hopper finds that crops are being rotted by a mysterious poison and then hopper goes and finds a way into the mind flayers underground tunnels and will Will's possessed by the uh, Mind Flayer, and he's able to draw maps of the tunnel because he's one with the Mind Flayer. Um, then you find out that the Demogorgons kind of like have a home in the tunnels, and there's a whole like pack of Demogorgons. Um, and then eventually at the end, Eleven, along with the help of Hopper, closes the gate, which is inside the lab, and then that kills all the Demogorgons. Um, and that's that's season two. So, season two thoughts. I didn't have the chance. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Quinn. <laughs> I was just gonna say I didn't really have a chance to rewatch it all like you guys did, but sure. season two was definitely one of the least memorable seasons. Mm-hmm. I thought okay. maybe it's because it's it's not the first one, and it's also not the most recent one I watched. So, right, that may be the reason, but um. Like I said before, I think season one and season two are kind of packaged, how we were saying, and it kind of closes out for me a really good good storyline with with the mind flare. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is obviously yeah. re- reappears in season three. So, um, gotcha. Kudra, yeah. you? I, I kind of have to agree with Quinn. Like after rewatching season two, I actually because the first watch, I think I rated this a little bit higher. Now season mm-hmm. two, I'm kind of like I feel like this is actually the weakest season. Okay, Honestly. I might I might agree with you. It's the weakest season, but I feel like it's still good. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like Stranger Things at its lowest is still good. Right. Because uh, I mean, I feel like there are a couple story arcs that, well, like the whole like with the outsiders and like episode. Oh, what was that? Six episode or... six. Yeah, let's talk yep. about episode six. Is that a filler episode? <laughs> well, to be fair, like it does have. I guess it has a the minimal impact of the plot where, yeah but uh, because like when 11's closing the gate like you know Kali's words are meh. echoing in her head but i'm also just kind of like was this was this whole thing like really necessary i feel like there was more here that could have been explored because especially with Kali too because it points to the existence of like other powers beyond what we see with like 11 with like her telekinetic or like her telekinetic so abilities. The the only interesting thing about that looking back from season four is that Kali's power was to uh create illusions, right? Yeah. And, she, and Vecna can also create illusions. Uh yeah, I thought about that because yeah, that, always... but at the time that was not interesting. <laughs> and I I just I really didn't I I think that episode when it came out was like a big like downer for me. I'm like, what is this? I don't like this. <laughs> um I I didn't I liked episode I liked season two more on the rewatch. Um, but I I still didn't love that episode. I didn't really nothing about it. Like it kind of felt disconnected in a way. And it like outside of the connections it has to the plot and that this character was also at the uh the place 11 was as a child i just it felt like a filler episode which is weird in a show that has 10 episodes or nine episodes yeah Yeah. i remember watching that and kind of being like what what the heck is this for but yeah a lot of there was a lot of arguments oh we need to develop 11 as a character and you know, give her her own kind of arc. I don't really agree with that, but yeah, I can kind of see where That's they're coming from because I mean, L outside of her relationship with Mike, the, uh, I feel like for the first, uh, especially like in the first season, like she doesn't really get that much to do outside of uh, her outside again of her relationship with Mike. Yeah. Uh, season two kind of season two falls. Well, no season two doesn't fall in that boat. Season three almost starts to fall back into that boat though. Yeah. Could be um, more of like a humanization of her since she really was kind of more of a mystery. Like she couldn't really talk like all of those aspects of her being, you know, kept away and, and stuff like that. So she really didn't mm-hmm. have much depth, I guess. Yeah. She was more of like a, you know, like a weapon or a myst- mystery sort of thing. And this gave her kind of some sort of humanity where she's interacting with, you know, other people who don't, don't know what, what she can do essentially. Right. So, you know, what? Yeah. While you've touched on that, that is actually one thing I will highlight that I, I did, I did love about the show. Mm-hmm. especially on a rewatch was like, um, you know, 
when 11 is introduced, like you see her being very quiet. She has some limited, it seems like she has like a limited vocabulary uh, and, and ability to express herself. Like, you know, you see a lot of times where like, you know, she just can't handle conflict or yelling because like, you know, it just triggers like flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like they really like, they did a, I feel like they did a pretty decent job of showing like, you know, someone who's been like locked away in isolation in that facility um, like, you know, the stuff, what would be like stunted emotional maturity, stunted vocabulary, like all these negative impacts that it would have on a child's development. Yeah. And her the progression's trauma, interesting. And the trauma that resulted of that, yeah. I actually thought was surprisingly well done. Yeah. I like her progression and I like her progression with Hopper too. Like mm-hmm. that's all done pretty well. Um, another interesting character in season two, uh, Murray. Um, the Russian obsessed guy, um, he's on to the whole thing at the beginning of season two. Um, and I kind of I feel like I didn't take him in very much on initial watch of season two, season most of three. But I feel like I really like him. He's he's one of my favorite characters in season two and season three. Um, and then if you want to get into him in season four, where he knows he's like, I'm a black belt in karate and I feel like the ultimate thing is where he just actually is really good at fighting people because it would have been bad if he was really good at fighting people just for no reason. Like, oh, he's just going to fight all these soldiers and kick the shit out of them. But the fact that it's like I'm a black belt in karate and usually the joke is they say that and then they're not. But the funny thing is he actually is and he kicks the shit out of them. and. I loved that whole thing, the buildup of his character through the three seasons. I love that in the like he's onto it at the beginning of season two, and then you go to his compound, and it's just this fucking wild place that, and he always just drinks <laughs> vodka and has everybody drink vodka. Um, but yeah, Murray, a character that I don't think I really picked up on when I first watched season two or season three. I, definitely in season four, I liked him, but um. I feel like I really like that character on rewatch. Do you guys like Murray? Oh, I love Murray. Well, top top three characters for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he he definitely brings another dynamic to the to the story that that's really enjoyable. Just kind of like this crazy guy, but somehow you still trust him um, it, for, is for it whatever ever, reason. Is it ever defined how he makes money? Like he doesn't work. Well, I guess yeah. nobody nobody works past like season three. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it was mentioned uh, because the reason why he was introduced in the story is because Barb's parents hired him to investigate her disappearance because he's, uh, oh. he's an investigative reporter, freelance detective. Oh right, right. That was why that was why Nancy and Jonathan went to him in the first place to mm-hmm. you know you know try to dice you know confess to him what happened to Nancy as well as like you know how to really get the public to you know be able to digest this that's that's another good storyline the whole uh, barb's death thing where nancy is like there when barb is killed and yep. then you go into season two where nancy has all this like she knows what happened but she can't tell barb's parents and then you get up to season four where it seems like that guilt might come back as one of vecna's tools mm-hmm. um that that's a, that's a really cool like you know season crossing storyline as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say we, one point I want to touch on is who dies in each in season each season. So no. like in the first season, the character that di- or like the the biggest yeah. character that dies is Barb, right? And oh right, right, was, yeah. I don't know if you remember when that happened. Like when people found out that happening, there was 
social media outcry like justice for barb because oh, there was just there's this really nice that. character that yeah they just killed off so no. quickly for what everybody thought was no reason yeah um and then the second season was um and i'm blanking on his name joyce's uh friend. oh sean oh, Aston, bob bob newbie bob yeah bob who, newbie. bob the brain right and who everybody like nobody really liked in the meeting like the kids didn't really like him and then they start warming up to him and then he like saves the day and then he dies. Dude, Bob, like, oh. Bob is such a trope. Like Bob is like the ultimate, like, Oh, he's a nerd. So he's not tough and can't do anything tough. And then, Oh man, it's like, Oh, Bob has the skills to open the door, but you know, he's kind of a nerd. So can he go through and deal with all the physical things? And then of course he achieves it and then he gets killed. It's, you know, it's just, but he's so, he's so tropey. I feel like though everyone treats him, nobody tells him shit for like three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, kind of a pattern of whoever, I think it's the Duffer brothers, right? Who wrote it or directed yeah. it yeah. of yep. creating these characters that the audience really likes and then they kill him off. Um, right. The same thing happens in season three, right? With Alexi, the. Oh the, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. unrushed dude. Yeah. <laughs> So I just wanted to get that out there because that's something I want to kind of discuss um, yeah. after we go through this. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think of those three, Bob's was the one that hit me the most. I I actually really like Bob. He was a fun character. Yeah. I I, I, I just distinctly remember after all three deaths of there being like some sort of social media discussions about it, which is whether it's memes or like just you know stuff like that so it's definitely Um, you know impactful one other thing about this season kudra we were talking about mystery earlier i felt like there was still a lot of mystery in this with like will being infected and them not completely understanding it and then the poison fields and finding the underground thing i guess i thought that kind of i don't uh, even on rewatch like i was like oh that there's a lot of like mystery still going on here Mm -hmm. but yeah. Well, I mean, that's fair. As I said, like, I feel like my big thing is just like with season one, because we didn't really understand like what the upside down was or for that matter, there was even like this other dimension that existed and characters are, you know, they're really trying to piece together what's happening. Uh-huh. Or is it still kind of feels like in season two, it's like because we know of the existence of the upside down. Yeah. It always seems to me as like, okay, we, we, we know this is probably has to do with the upside down still, but you know, what, what exactly is it doing or trying? I to gotcha. Do? Yeah. And, and I guess that's just kind of where I'm coming from. Cause I agree with you. It's still, it's still a mystery trying to figure out exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's also like, we, we know it's the upside down. Got we it. know this. Yeah. All right. Well, on to season three. So, season three. Everyone starts out as supposedly normal after the events of the previous seasons. However, it's not, as the Mind Flayer from season two still exists and is turning people into its host. Uh, Multiple parties of characters converge upon the realization of the Mind Flayer um, returning, and the Russians are running an operation under them all. The Mind Flayer reaches a critical mass after it infects enough people, gets enough, you know, goo, and then um, it leaves its nest to hunt Eleven. Then the whole group converges to the mall, where one crew is trying to escape from the Mind Flayer, and the other is trying to work to foil the Russians' plans to open the gate. 
season three, which season three in my memory, I was like, I don't think I like that season on rewatch. Season three is great. Mm -hmm. Agree. Season three is good. Yeah. I think they, they did the, they used the mall very well. I thought mm -hmm. it, it, it gave a new dynamic to the, to the story. It kind of, cause of how, like where the, the show is set. I mean, you can only use all these different places so many times. Will's base or not Will's basement, Mike's basement. Yeah. You know, the video store, the arcade, the school, like you, you can only use those so many times. The mall kind of gave it a nice refreshing change because it was mm. kind of summer. And uh, to me, it was a really great setting for kind of that final mm. battle. So, mm. yeah. Um, interesting things about this season. Uh, so, what is up with them eating fertilizer and chemicals? So you have the uh, Nancy and Jonathan like figure out, find the old lady eating eating fertilizer, and then further on, you find out that the uh, people that are hosts are eating chemicals and fertilizer. And I never really understood why they were doing that, or if that was ever like mentioned. Did we ever figure out why they were eating all the chemicals? I can't say this for certain, but I assume it has something to do with the fact of. Uh, because like, you know, those stuff would probably be like toxic to people. So maybe yeah. it allows the mind flare. That's what allows the mind flare to like, you know, break down their flesh to absorb it into itself. Okay. That's, that's a theory, I guess. I don't know. I figured it's just what demons do, but yeah. yeah. So open question. I do not, I still don't know why they eat the fertilizer and chemicals. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk about when Hopper and Joyce run into the Indiana Terminator. What a, what a character. They just put the Terminator right in there. They're like, what if we put the Terminator into Stranger Things? And then they did. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, further into the season, when they go into the underground base of the Russians, can you imagine the construction undertaking and construction costs for building that underground base? It's literally impossible. I There's just, you can't do it. They did it somehow. No. In the middle of a cold war. <laughs> I feel like my big question with the construction of that base was how, I know like the mayor is in on the cover up. So, um, uh, I mean, I get that, but it's like the just like the construction of like digging digging that massive hole, and then then just sitting here trying to construct all that. Like the fact that no one notices that, kind yeah. of kind of mind boggling. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole wild thing that they're able to build that base. Um, yeah, but then the kids foil it so. You gotta rely on those kids, right? Nobody else cares. Well, let's be fair. <laughs> Hopper foils it, okay? Yeah, but Steve and the uh, what's his, his the yeah, children? Steve, the Steve, children Robin, go in there. Dustin and Erica. Dustin, yeah, yeah, the children go in there and dick around, and then Hopper comes in to really finish the job. Yep, Steve. I'll uh, say him, Hopper, uh, Murray, and uh, Joyce. Um. Yeah, another another great kind of scene from this season is the uh, hospital scene where they get chased around uh, Nancy and Jonathan by the um, their host of news reporter bosses. Yep. 
that's that that whole scenario is awesome. That's like a great like horror kind of fight scene and chase scene. I thought that was done flawlessly. I don't remember that too well, but it, it rings a bell. I think there's lots of those types of scenes. I feel like they did pretty well. Yeah. And and then further into season three, I feel like you get into this cool thing where you have multiple stories converging together. Um, you know, you have Hopper and Joyce where they figure out, well, Joyce figures out the whole magnets thing. She's like, there's something going on. Um, and then Hopper, you know, with his main character energy starts to get to the bottom of it. And he like goes and solves problems. He runs into the Indiana Terminator, as we talked about. And then he's just out trying to solve problems, you know. Then you got Dustin, Steve, and Robin. They find the Russian radio transmission and they figure out that the Russians are in the mall. Um, and then Eleven and Max figure out something's wrong with Billy and they're trying to look into that. And then Nancy and Jonathan are figuring out something weird's going on with the rats and then the old lady. And then you kind of have all of these things converge to where they all get together at the mall and then they, they do battle with the mind flare, which how much is the mind flare is a group raid boss. <laughs> like you just have them all like throwing rockets for uh, fireworks from each side. It's, it's just a it's a group battle. I've, I've played that boss before. Yeah. Did you win? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely something and it looks like they're continuing to use right with season four where they kind of have the three. Right. At least what we know of the three different storylines. Right. Four once yeah. 11 splits off, but it's definitely an effective way of, of telling a story and and making people want to stick around and find out what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that final battle was definitely a, a great culmination um, for the end of the season. Yeah, some, I, and and I, I really, oh yeah, with Billy getting killed. I guess we skipped over Billy getting killed. Um, so Billy was a a good character for like ten seconds there before he was killed because he saved Eleven from the Mind Flayer. But Billy was like on rewatch. Billy was a terrible character through the whole time until those last ten seconds. He's a, he's a regular old Vegeta. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's a pretty big dick throughout the the entire show prior to be even being infected. So, also is 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 Billy a racist? Is that what they were alluding to? Because I he every time he saw Max talking to um, Sinclair Lucas. Lucas, he was like, "I don't let you can't talk." There's some people you can't talk to, and I was like, "What? Like, is it just any people?" Or like, I I didn't know if they were trying to allude to that or what, but that was weird. Um, it's kind so, of what it seemed like. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know if I saw anything for sure, but that's what it seemed like. Especially yeah. when, like, in season two, I believe it was like you know when when uh, he went over to the house, like the buyer's house, and found yeah. Max there. Like the very first person he got, he comes after was Lucas. You know, grabbing him. Oh, and right, him all like right. That. That's true. And then he beat the crap out of Steve because. As Dustin hilariously lampshades in season three, Steve almost never wins a fight. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it, it that whole his character is just so terrible the whole time. Um, but yeah, yeah. then I, I guess last note I have on season three was 
the the news segment that like they do partial credits and then they go to the like news the 1980s style news segment from the news channel and it's in like standard deaf with grainy footage and um also they foreshadow the satanic panic in that news segment which leads into a bunch of the stuff in season four um yeah i i loved that news segment thing they do after the credits yeah that was good i was gonna say the last thing i don't remember if you noted yeah. it but hopper seemingly dies oh at the end of season closing, three yeah when they're closing the portal right or right shutting shutting it down joyce has to turn both the keys by herself to to shut it down and um hopper seemingly gets disintegrated from the the blast that happens which um, he would have been disintegrated they just decided he shouldn't die <laughs> right um which do we find out that so yeah at the the end right yeah they take you to a scene in russia and they show the scene of them opening a door and then a demogorgon comes out and then something happens but they say no not the american or something alluding to that hopper's there but that that that's it Mm. um yeah so uh we can move into season four quinn do you want to do our season four description here yeah i can do it um like i said before there's like kind of three different storylines so i figured we could break it down since this is kind of the most fresh in our minds with what's kind of going on at least for me Mm -hmm. so um kind of the first storyline or i guess the base for all three storylines it's nine months later even though it doesn't look like it's been nine months later thanks to the pandemic (laughs) um they're starting um high school now so the friend group has kind of split up after season three. Max kind of drifted away after Billy died, um, dealing with her own internal trauma and, and issues. Um, and Eleven, Will, Jonathan, and Joyce have all fled, essentially. They just decided Hopper's gone, that they just kind of need a new a new start. So they move out to California to some, what I'm assuming is a suburb of Los Angeles somewhere out there. I don't mm-hmm. really know what kind of the moving patterns back then, but that's that's my assumption. Um, so they're out there kind of doing their own thing. They're still in contact with um, Mike, obviously, because Eleven and Mike are still dating. Um, and before starts stuff starts hitting the fan, um, Mike and Jonathan are supposed to go out, or not Mike and Jonathan, Mike's supposed to go out west to California to visit Eleven and Will for spring break. And then Jonathan's supposed to come back east to visit Nancy because they're still item, even though we've been getting hints that they're kind of on the rocks currently. Um, so this is kind of where when we're introduced to Vecna, he takes control of a cheerleader or not takes control, but gives her visions and, and stuff like that and ends up killing her inside of um, Eddie's trailer. We find out Eddie is the leader of the Dungeons and Dragons club at the high school, um, who seems to flunk out every year and hasn't graduated for for some unknown reason for the past, I think, three or four years. He was supposed to graduate, and so mm-hmm. he's kind of there. And uh, so that comes. There's a manhunt essentially for Eddie who the cops think killed. Um, sorry, I, I just blanked on well, her name. Yeah, so the, the cops, the Christy? 
Christie? Christie, yes. Yeah. yeah, the cops think he's a suspect, and then the, the town thinks he's the definite right. killer. <laughs> right, so the basketball team's coming after him because uh, uh, the, the main Christy, yeah, basketball that, guy, the captain, yeah. I should say, is Christie's boyfriend. boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, so they got some vigilante justice coming coming their way and uh so that's when the rest of the group comes in because dustin and um mike are friends with eddie and they have some experience with um this new or not the new the the old upside down so they're kind of trying to figure out everything that's going on and they realize what's going on so they and they know that eddie didn't do it so they're you know they're trying to protect him and figure out how they can basically take care of this new upside down problem. Um, so it keeps happening. Vecna, they find out or they believe is the one doing all this. And they come across Victor Creel is his name, who back in the day, I think in the 50s, um, was convicted for killing his family in the same way that these teens are being killed. Um, so they realize there's some sort of connection there. Um, so I'm getting lost. I feel like there's so much oh, no that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So, reason. so then Nancy and, um, uh, what's, what's that? The Robin Robin. Yeah. They are going to research and try and figure out what happened. And eventually they end up going, talking to this guy. He's in jail for killing his family. And what they eventually figure out is that he's the father of um, the basically his son is the one who killed the whole family. It wasn't actually him. And then you figure out that his son had these powers. And then uh, the doctor, what's the doctor's name? The one who has 11. Brenner. Anyways, Brenner. Yeah. Yeah. Brenner takes him, covers up the whole thing. And he's he's number one essentially. And then what you find out is that he's the number one. He had a huge battle with 11 where 11 sent him to the shadow realm, sent him to the upside down and he became Vecna. Um, and I guess this, to me, this season four part one was amazing. I, this is what inspired me to rewatch the whole, the whole series before it's so good. I love the Vecna. I love the possession things he does. I just really love all the interactions. You get into the panic of the whole town. Um, you know, it kind of focuses on the satanic panic stuff that they alluded to at the end of season three, where you have, um, which satanic panic was a very real thing. That happened. Like well, there the was zombies. a whole. So go ahead, Kudra. I was going to say, the zombies said it's still a real thing. I still hear <laughs> satanic. I still hear D&D associated with Satanism now and then. Well, it's nuts. Yeah. So I, I guess to me, like it's probably been my favorite so far, the season four part one. Like I love the way they have Vecna and it, his, I just, as a villain, he's better than the other ones. He, he speaks and like, I feel like he's a better villain than the previous ones in a way. Um, you don't have the unknowns anymore so much. So you almost need to kind of, amp up the villain a little bit maybe it's like he's just coming for you no matter what like he's just coming for you he'll find you and then you get the clocks um yeah did you guys like this season 
Yeah, definitely. And some things I saw is they even had apparently in season one they had the clocks as well show up. Oh, in one? So yeah, in season I, one. I had noted that when Billy gets possessed, you hear the clocks. Like the when he when he's in the scene where he's walking out as a lifeguard and he's all messed up, you can hear the clocks in that scene. And that that was crazy. I was like, oh shit, that's Vecna. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um so there's stuff like that, like that they, you know, had continuation throughout the seasons. And like I said before, that was just one part of season four, right? Then you have the other side 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 quest to go get Hopper from Russia that Joyce and Murray are on. Mm -hmm. Um, with their own issues of getting essentially tricked into um, flying to Russia because they drank some coffee that I don't remember what the guy's name, the comical Russian dude's name that tricked them. Um, so they're they're out there trying to do that. And then in California, the government's on the hunt for 11. So th there's just so much going on. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like it, it's not it's not overwhelming to me like it's easy to follow. You don't have to have season three fresh on the mind. I don't think to, to follow everything and it keeps you coming back for more. Honestly, you know, it's, it's just very, very well done. Um, so it kind of feels like a new saga, like from season three. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, season, season four is really good. I, I think. Say, the, go ahead, Cooper. I sorry. I was saying. I think what I appreciate the most about season four, though, is just the fact that, like, how well they do connect everything to events that have happened in the previous season. My particular favorite yeah. being, like, you know, we start, we heard in season one how L opened the gate. Right. Now we actually see how and why it happened in the first place. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I, I guess you guys want to get into overall series thoughts and kind of get into general, you know, our favorite characters of the series. Do you guys want to get into that stuff now? Sure. Yeah, yeah it um, looks like there's lots of chats too. Yeah, from are, the chat. Yeah, uh, shot by land. Uh, midnight needs to come faster. So, do they actually release at midnight? I wasn't sure on that. Do they come out at midnight or do they come out at some time in the day tomorrow? Um. Because I plan on watching them tomorrow, but if they come out at midnight, I could possibly watch one today. Um, also in the chat, 870 Gliz, man, I miss Billy. I, you don't really miss Billy, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, it better be midnight. <laughs> um, I hope so, but I feel like in the past when Netflix releases stuff, it's not at midnight. I thought it was like at some random time, middle of the day of the next day. But I could be wrong. I didn't look it up. I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Yeah. So I guess first we can go into here. Uh, let's start off. Uh, let's start off with the main character of the show. Um, so I think Hopper is the main character of the show, guys. Upon rewatch, I can confirm Hopper is the main character. All right. We all agree. Make a good argument. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't agree with that, but. I still feel like trying to even argue there is a main character is mistaken. Well, I, you know, I would have said if you had asked me before I rewatched all of them, I would have said there's no main character. Upon rewatch, I think I've decided that Hopper's my main character. Okay, season one. Hopper is, I mean, first of all, he's just awesome. But 
the the progress of the story you can follow with Hopper's whole trajectory through season one. Hopper's figuring stuff out. That's when you're kind of moving the story along. Hopper's moving the whole story along in season one. It the season one progression revolves around Hopper. Season two, season two. Let me let me tell you something about season two. Okay, you open up season two. You see Hopper. He eats two bites of an apple, throws it away, and smokes a cigarette. That's main character energy. <laughs> um, you sold me. <laughs> oh, then, oh, hold, hold on. So we're saying you're saying like you can follow the plot solely through Hopper. So if we're talking about season one, the entire plot where the boys are interacting with Eleven, and you know they're determining like you know the Demogorgon, and the fact that Will is hiding, the yeah. fact that the Upside Down exists, which yeah. is determined by talking with um, what's his name, Scotts. The, the science teacher? Scott. Oh, yeah. I can't think of his name, but yeah, the science uh, teacher. Yeah, so it's like, if if you... It's like, they're the ones figuring all this supernatural stuff out well, through their knowledge of D&D. Who does the actual so, work, though? That's Hopper. You know, Hopper's the one really getting shit done. It, is he? Because, I mean, this entire time, like, in season one, where, like, you know, half of it was spent, like, okay, the fake body. Um, I'm sorry, Will's dead. He, he, he fell for that at first until yeah. he, you know until he did a little bit more investigative work he's a reasonable person uh but then it's like yeah he, I, he's the one who goes in and figures out it's like a fake body he does yeah, that's he, him yeah um, oh. whoa from the chat hot news duffer brothers apparently said there are five confirmed deaths in volume two <laughs> I don't know they are, but one of them better not be Steve Harrington. <laughs> well, I, I think the main character is Eleven. Oh, and I think that's the basic. That's the basic uh, uh, yeah. opinion, probably. Yeah, but probably. I think because of how how much all the different characters change, I think that's the only reasonable choice, in my opinion. I have to concur with Quinn here. If we have to pick one, I have to. I would agree with Eleven. Oh, I, I still think it's Hopper. Hopper's my main character, and I've already laid out for you. Let's talk about the uh, season uh, three, where Hopper is the one who um, kind of pushes through to the actual objective of destroying the uh, Indiana Terminator and the uh, Russian beam that they're trying to open the the upside down with. Hopper's the one who does all that. Cause he's a, he's a main character. He's got main character energy. He goes and he sacrifices himself to blow that thing up. Well, you're, I feel like you're completely downplaying the contributions of Joyce and Murray in that entire operation. Oh, no, no. Fact, they're they're part of his squad. They're like his sidekicks. Side yeah. He, they're his <laughs> sidekicks. You've perfectly laid this out for me. Thank you. Uh, okay. But. If, okay. Have you seen. A, a, did you see 11 take two bites of an apple and smoke a cigarette after? <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if if it weren't for eleven, mm -hmm. the upside down wouldn't even be there, right? As far just, as we know. Well, so we don't talk about that. <laughs> I mean, it would still, it would still be there. It's just that humans would right, we never wouldn't have, access. have known about it. Right. So there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any uh, conflict, let's say, right? Yeah. Between yeah. the upside down and and the real world, so I, I. I just go back to the fact that the Duffer brothers do so well at changing all the different characters that you kind of just have to come back to the original um, plot line of, of 
what's who started it, what's going on, and and that's eleven for me. But See, you're focused I on who started it. I'm focused on who's solving it, and that's Hopper. I rest my case. Hopper's my main character. <laughs> I've I've not been deterred. <laughs> we can agree to disagree, I guess. Um. But. All right, so next we'll go on to who's your most improved character up to this point? Kudra? I mean, it's, it's Steve Harrington. Um, big Steve guy. Big Steve. Uh, see, because, like, you know, when you when Steve starts off in season one, like, I mean, he's uh, he's a bit of a douchebag. I mean, uh-huh. um, he's, he definitely has that reputation. You get some hints that there's a better guy deep down. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, like, one of the things, like, when he's studying with Nancy, like, you know, he tries to – he tries to get physical with her, but you know when she says no, he, he actually he respects her boundaries. Uh, but I mean, the thing is, is like you see him in this toxic friendship with uh, with Tommy and his girlfriend, which you can tell really reflects very badly on his behavior. You know, causes him to behave in incredibly inappropriate ways. Mm. The way he like was talking to Jonathan and such, which you know that was probably his biggest douchebag moment. Yeah. But like, you know, eventually, like, you know, he realizes that he ditches Tommy and his girlfriend. And then you kind of see is the progression of his character since then, where, you know, he starts making up for the stuff that he did. He starts becoming this big brother figure to all the boys, particularly Dustin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, you know, in the beginning, because it's like, yeah, the beginning of Steve Harrington's character, I really didn't like him. By the end of season two, he was my favorite character of the cast i gotcha yeah i I like the character yeah any notable ones for you quinn i like steve as well i think i think he's by design though i think you know yeah that that was that's the point of his character so right yeah i think he's just like Mm -hmm. a good example of that i think one that kind of stands out to me is will I know a really? lot of people probably don't really like Will, but I, I think I thought Will stagnated, and I just that's I, what you're. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking like for everything he's gone through, mm-hmm. and he's still kind of he's still there and still trying to make an effort to to be normal. I think that's that's a really yeah. good like characteristic right. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely see the criticisms in his character, but I just think for for everything that he went through, and he's still you know is there for his friends, like he's still trying to be a part of the group and, and, and contribute that to me that, you know, brings a lot to the table. Um, but I think overall, I think Steve is kind of the, the go-to for the, for this discussion. Yeah. And type. I, can, I can see the Steve thing, but I guess for me, like looking at it, like I liked the, the uh, improvements of uh, uh, Erica Sinclair, uh, Lucas's sister. Um, I really like her character in season three and season four. I really enjoy the the changes to her character of like becoming more um I don't know more of like a teenager and just being a prick to everyone. Um I, I really enjoy her back talk. Um I liked her a lot and uh Dr. Owens, the uh the one who's come back to help Eleven I think like multiple times at this point. Um after the first season where he kind of like was first second season where he kind of like disregarded everything and was like no, don't worry everything's fine but was it the first season? Second no, you're talking about Doc, yeah, Dr. Owens. Uh, that was second season because the first season, season really focused on. Oh, Dr. right. Renner. Yeah, second season. Di- Dr. Oh, Owens, I feel like, was kind of yeah. dismissive of everything and like was just saying the company line. And then I feel like the next later on, Dr. Owens is like, you know, he's a cool guy now. He's like helping you out. Mm-hmm. Something switched in his brain. He's like, oh, maybe this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Um, that's tough for anybody to do, right? Is to to switch up like that, go against yeah. the grain. Yeah. So our uh, uh, next one, uh, most declined characters. Any any characters that you have come to hate? I think you had noted about Mike, and I I tend to agree. He he comes off as kind, kind of annoying, yeah. but he's I mean he's just a teenager, I guess. It's not like he just you know you can be like that when you're a teenager. I think right. He seems to be very know-it-all. Like he he likes to try to be the leader of the group when maybe Topper is yeah. at the point. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Yeah, though it kind of hi- the the things with Mike being annoying kind of highlights like one of the things I one of the bad things about the show overall for me, which is the child drama that they do. And like episode one of season four, I was like, ah, I don't know how this season's gonna go. I did not like the first episode because I felt like it was so much like teenage drama, and I could do without that stuff. I get that. They're putting it in there because it's like 80s kids and like that's the thing. But maybe they could cut it a little shorter in some cases. Yeah, I not so sure about that, too. But I think, like you said, it, it it's something they have to include yeah. for for the story and, and to make sure that it kind of flows, I guess. Right. So. But. Sure. Um. Yeah, so I guess we can now move into kind of our unknowns and predictions for the next season. Or do you guys want to talk about overall thoughts on the series up till now first? All right, we'll go overall thoughts on the series up till now, then we'll get into our unknowns and predictions. So upon rewatch, before I had rewatched season two and season three, I was unsure if I loved them because I remembered like thinking, hey, they weren't bad, but I was kind of soured a little bit on some of season two. But on rewatch, like, God, it's I think the show is amazing. Like, I really think it pulls off a lot of what it does just amazingly. And like I had said, I don't I don't love the childhood drama that we see, the teenage drama. Um, You get a little bit into the horror movie trope of people just doing dumb things, like when they have the baby Demogorgon and they're just like, let's keep it. Like, okay, that's (laughs) obviously a demon. but I think where I sit up to this point is I debated between A plus, but I, I think I want to say Stranger Things for me up till now is an S. I really think it's one of my one of the great shows in this genre and the way they do everything. I really like, you know, it might change with with the upcoming stuff, but I, I would rate it an S right now. What do you guys think overall? I would give it an S as well. Just purely yeah. off of everything that I've watched. I think each season is very refreshing and different mm-hmm. in its own different ways. And I think that for me personally, that's one thing that I struggle with, with different series and different universes like Marvel and mm-hmm. Star Wars and stuff like that. I think that's a big a big deal for me to watch watch something and make sure that it's different in some way, but also mm-hmm. still interesting. And mm-hmm. I think they they do that so well in this in this show and right and somehow they still keep it all together which is is very very um cool so um i think season one you know lays out kind of the baseline for for the entire story and each season just keeps building off of it in a in a very unique way so definitely an s for me and could go higher depending on 
you know, part two of season four, and then obviously the last season, season five. So, yeah, Cooter, where are you at? I don't know if I'm quite at S. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'd say A for me. Okay. Um, I do think there are there are a couple. I do think there are a couple minor questions when it comes to, like the plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, but over, but it doesn't detract from my enjoyment from the show at all. Um, overall, like the series is pretty. Overall, the series is well written. Um, it's and for the most part, very well executed. So yeah, um, I, I'm willing. I'm more than willing to endorse A. It's still, I mean, yeah, it, it's. I mean, Stranger Things is just good. Um, season yeah. two is probably the weakest season, but even its weakest season is still really high quality. So I gotcha. All right. Well, uh, let's move into unknowns and predictions. So kind of watching through things that are still unknown to me. Um, I'll, I'll go first here. Uh, where did the Russians get the Demogorgon? Is that any idea? How did they get a Demogorgon? Well, if they're able to make a portal on their side, right? Did, did they? Is that? Well, I don't if know. That's how Hop, if that's how Hopper got to Russia, right? Is there? Uh, yeah, my yeah. my assumption is that Russia was they were using it purely as military use, right? They were going uh-huh. for a portal from Russia to the U.S., and it just so happened that they were able to use Hawkins as that entry point. Interesting. And so yeah, maybe they well, were maybe just in the upside down, and were if, able to capture one. I don't know. Okay. Well, one of the things I might point out here is just like, so I think the Russian portal probably had to be open a little bit longer than what I think a lot of us might think initially, because I almost wonder if it had to be open at least in the time of season two, because the mind flare was able to infect Billy with the essence that left, wait, or was he infecting just rats and such? Either way, though, it's like that part of that left will was, stay, was still able to exist. And the only reason that the Mind Flayer is able to exist is because there's an open portal. So, I'm, uh, so it, it seems like, you know, with the amount of time that, uh, that the Russians had that portal open, I mean, they probably, you know, if something came through that portal, they were probably able to capture it and then ship it to Russia. Okay. Or either that, just like what will... Just like what uh, Quinn said, you know, maybe they went into the portal and were able to capture it. But either way, it seems like the, you know, with the amount of time that the Russians would have had access to that. Gotcha. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see anything about that. Very possible. I still think my big question for season four that I'm, I, I want to see very soon is Vecna's relationship to the Mind Flayer. Right. Yeah. Super interesting there. Because um, like when Billy's possessed, what what is the voice? Is that Vecna or is that the Mind Flayer? Does does Vecna speak? I I was unsure on that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about where Billy talks and he has like a different voice. Like to me, it almost sounds kind of like Vecna, but. Like a demonic, like possession type thing, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I, my guess is we'll find out either the second half or in season five. As I mean, but, Dustin, Dustin kind of alluded to it in one conversation because he was like, you know, if uh, if the demo, if like the Demogorgon and the Demodogs are like the Mind Flayer's foot soldiers, then Vecna would be like his five star general. Right. But 
that's only speculation on his part, and that's not really confirmed. Oh, Dusty so, said that in the show? Yeah, Dustin said that. Oh, in gotcha. Four. I gotcha, uh, yeah. Conver- it was like a conversation he was having with Erica and uh, I think Lucas. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. They were it, just trying to nail down what's going on, essentially. They are just kind of brainstorming, and right. that's what he, he, he let out. Right, so. yeah. That, the thing I was uh, from... Uh, Brian pilot on YouTube. I was watching his video and he talked about his theory was like that they're working together. And like, when you see those, those like, uh, vines attached to Vecna, that's the mind flayer. And then like Vecna's there and he's using the mind flayers powers, which are those roots that can travel everywhere. And that's how Vecna is able to get to the, the real world as opposed to the upside down is through the power of the mind flayer. And that's the most interesting one I saw. So shout out to Brian Pilot. Great video on YouTube about that. Hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm super interested to figure out what happens. I, I Maybe I'll watch it tonight if it comes out at midnight. I think uh, from the chat, uh, we got shot by land. Thanks for sending us this. Uh, 2 a.m. for Central Time and 3 a.m. for Eastern Time. So I will not watch it until tomorrow. <laughs> so it's actually midnight Pacific time that it comes out. Um, yeah. Uh, only other unknown for me, uh, how does the upside down work completely? Like, maybe some of that will get answered too because you have like season one where the phone rings and isn't it like through from the upside down or something where you can hear sounds through the phone that came mm-hmm. from the upside down. Well, yeah, it's go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they kind of talked about, like, they already kind of talked about that in season one when they were investigating it. So mm-hmm. uh, one of the D and D parallels that they draw to the upside down was the veil of shadows. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, basically, and veil of shadows effectively what it is it's like a twisted distorted like reflection of the real world okay and it and one of the things so that's just kind of what it is so it's like you know it's almost like it's you can think of it almost like a mirror dimension like you know this is the upside down like um, what's the flip side of the mirror well, then you um, get into season four where they go to Nancy's house and they figure out like, oh, it's this date in 1973 or whatever that the the state of the Upside Down is in. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? So, yeah, because they were talking about how uh, because Nancy was going to grab a gun that was in the closet. Yeah. But then she said it's not there because they determined that the Upside Down hasn't been keeping pace with the time in their world. It's still stuck in the time from when Will was taken over to the Upside Down. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, uh, I think another aspect of it is electromagnetic, like you said, with the, the telephone and the lights. There's obviously something electromagnetic that happens between the two. Yeah, well, the only thing I was thinking is we see the lights come back, but I don't think we ever saw the phone thing come back. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just just something I'm I'm curious to see if we get any more kind of info on how the upside down works. It doesn't detract for me. I'm not like, oh, this is broken. But I just I'm curious if we get any more specifics on that. Um, right. Yeah. Do you guys want to move on to predictions? Sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, one from the chat here uh, shot by land in the chat. Uh, his theory is that Vecta dies season four and the mind flayer dies season five. Seems like a reasonable estimate. 
think so. Um, I think I was going to say his other chat prior yeah. that he's confused about what season five setting and story is going to be. No, oh, yeah. Just from some of my digging, I know that they're there's supposed to be a three year gap. There better be. <laughs> they look too <laughs> old already. <laughs> right. So there's supposed to be a three year gap. So there, there obviously is going to be some sort of closure after part two of season four. Mm-hmm. Um, how big of closure that is, I guess we'll right. find out. Right. Um, yeah, we got two movies before then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So they gotta they gotta have some carryover, obviously that that mm-hmm. takes place in three years. So. Um, that'll be interesting. Like we were previously talking about how time doesn't, um, mirror what happens. Exactly. So maybe that'll play into it. Um, I think like you said, Vecna dying in this season and then the mind flare dying in season five is probably a good prediction. Yeah. Like Um, one of the two. Yeah. Right. And how we get there. What cost though? Right. Exactly. (laughs) That's always it's always the best question. So. so what should we should we all make like how many supposedly five people are confirmed deaths? How many deaths do you guys want to hold ourselves to here? We're all going to have to predict at least one. And well, uh, we're going to come back and really hold you to the fire for it. So I feel like the problem with saying confirmed <laughs> deaths, though, you know, I don't know how big a trolls the Duffer brothers are. But like I remember um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Gravity Falls. But uh, the creator of that show, Alex Hirsch, he was like, you know, the, the two-part finale was like, oh, someone, someone's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to just be an old man of natural causes. <laughs> right, yeah, it's a five confirmed so, deaths. Like, you got a few Russian soldiers that get killed. Yeah, like, that could literally just be it. Like, all the, like a few nobodies in the Russian prison. But, I don't know, this yeah. is like, I, I think this is like, maybe this is their Empire Strikes Back. This is our sad ending. You know, like they're going to kill off a few people and have like the sad ending. And then we get. No, Quinn doesn't. No, it it was sad when Alexi died. That's the saddest it gets. So I got you. You don't think they're (laughs) going to kill Max or kill. I think they're going to kill Eddie. Oh, you think Eddie? I think Eddie's going to die because just from from everything that's been happening with his character, he's very. Oh, yeah. I'm not doing anything. I'm just hiding. And then so he's going to he's going to yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to is this going to be another sacrificial thing? I think so. I think he's going to muster up the courage and do what he knows has to be done. And he's going to end up dying. I so. I think you're probably right. But I don't know. Let me take a different one. I think I'm going to go with Max. Max, I, I think that's. That's definitely reasonable. Ooh, from the chat, someone said that eight is going to come back, but I do not support that. I, I was also wondering if they're going to bring eight back. Maybe eight gets killed. <laughs> I feel like the only reason she would come back is just to be killed. Right. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to be blunt. I don't so, know. I feel like if they were going to kill Max, they'd have done it the when she was about to die anyway, when she was in Vecna's realm. Hey, you got you to gotta go out on a limb. <laughs> you got you got to really you got to take a risk if you want to get it right you know are you are you gonna go with the the uh, Eddie answer or are you gonna be bold and make a bold choice no I, I I mean I feel like Eddie is the is the sure choice um I'd agree just because like it seems like they kill one yeah. character a season right. like, they bring know. the character in just to kill him they're like ah right everybody yeah. likes Eddie I feel like a lot of people like Eddie like he's like kind of off the wall like mm-hmm. unique and he. 
Whoa. That's the profile. From chat, Nancy? They better not kill Nancy. I'd be very surprised. I, they can't kill Nancy. I'm a big fan of the Nancy, Jonathan, all the older ones. It's really the children I don't like. <laughs> Imagine that. I, I just can't see them killing any of the main characters. I don't think they'll do it. I really I, don't. But, okay, but that's if you got to pick one. Yeah, that's why. That's where I'm going, Max. <laughs> Max is going to die. I think Steve has a high chance of dying, not going to lie. My Netflix subscription is going to be canceled <laughs> immediately. He's going to tweet out if you guys killed Steve. I'm not going to subscribe to you again. My only reasoning is because this, like, this love for Nancy is is coming out. And I feel like there's a really good uh, like opportunity for Steve to make some sacrificial like last gasp at love sort of thing you know where he's like i gotta save nancy and and i gotta kill like get killed to do it or or something like that like i can just see that happening and i think that wouldn't go like bad with what's happening in the story but we'll see uh uh run it up tay 700 and chad is trying to argue that the characters die in alphabetical order so we have alexi barb bob billy and then chrissy and he's suggesting Dustin might be next. So run it up. Tay 700 has put, has thrown Dustin into the ring for himself. So it'd be Dustin and then Eddie, right? Cause the E. Oh, Dustin and Eddie. Oh man. Oh wow. I guess How far? I could deal with that. All right. I'm, I'm, st- I'm going to stick on my max. Max will be my bet. Uh, you're on Eddie Quinn. I like Eddie. Yeah. Kudra, what's your, uh, I'm almost certain Eddie's Eddie's gone. Wow, <laughs> you guys just taking the easy one. It, I I can't. As I said, I really don't think they're killing off five people. May die. Eddie's gonna be the only main character. All right. I don't think they're gonna kill off a member right. of like the main cast. All right, you guys take Eddie. I'll take the field. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, I am very excited to see this uh, part two, season four. So we'll definitely be watching it over the next week. Um, And that's uh, pretty much all we got for today in terms of what we're going to discuss. You can email your comments or questions to srankmediaclub at gmail.com. And for our uh, group media experience, uh, July is going to be the month month of Monster Hunter World for the S Rank Media Club. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be working our way up through the hunting ranks. We're going to be playing Monster Hunter World on PC. Um, you can join up and party up with others in our Discord. Um, it's a perfect time to play along with us and pick up Monster Hunter World because with the Steam Summer Sale, you can get it on PC for $14.99 through July 7th. Um, so pick that up if, you want, if you've ever thought about playing Monster Hunter World before. Um, I've played a good amount of it, and it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Um, then next week's group media experience. So we're going to watch a movie um, every week. We tend to do a group media experience and then discuss it the next week. Um, so we kind of were stuck between two. We could watch and talk about Free Guy or we could watch and talk about All the President's Men. Um, so we're going to open this up to the chat. Um, you guys have any suggestions between Free Guy and All the President's Men? Three guys on Paramount and all the presidents men's on HBO, HBO Max, I believe. Max. Yeah. Okay. You guys, you guys um, have a leaning either way. Um, 
I'm fine. I'd I'd like to see Free Guy. I oh, you haven't seen, seen Free Guy before? I know Ryan Reynolds is in it. So oh, all right. Well, if there is no objections, then we will watch Free Guy for our group media experience next week. Free Guy, it is. All right, and from the chat, run it up, Tay700, agrees with Free Guy. All right, so our group media experience will be Free Guy next week. So go ahead, watch along with us. Come back next week, Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will be talking about Free Guy. Um, We'll probably talk a little bit about Stranger Things, but I don't know if we'll get into spoilers since it'll be so new at that point. Um, uh, You can find me on Twitter at Boltron City. Um, we stream this show live every Thursday at 9 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific on Twitch and YouTube. Um, the audio version of this podcast then uploads the following day to podcast feeds on all podcast platforms. Um, if you like the show, please give us a follow on Twitch or YouTube. Subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and um, we'll see you next week.